many Cokes do you think Henry drinks a day? Over or under <laughs> <No>, 10? <no. laughs> Hi, and welcome to the episode of Cine Nation. My name is Brand Sparks, and here on Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. Today, I do not have Thomas Horton with me, but we have a returning guest podcaster joining me. I'd like to welcome Amy Tippett-Madrid back to the show. Amy, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me again. I'm super excited. Third time? It's the third time. Yes. And a very interesting movie we have today. We do. <laughs> very we, different from the other two we movies do. we've yeah, we've, discussed we've, thus far. We've talked about a family film. We've talked about uh, a screwball comedy. And this, I mean, this has some... I don't know if it has screwball tendencies. Um, uh, it does have the the manic and kind of frantic uh, uh, vibe of, say, a screwball comedy in some places. Yes, and I think it also has the uh, gender war kind of thing that we were yes. talking about with screwball time comedy for sure. To, to so. a point where it's it's highly questionable. Literal. <laughs> yeah, literal gender, <laughs> literal literal battle of the sexes in this yes. movie. <laughs> Um, so yeah, as we've talked about this month, uh, the, we are talking about the journalism genre and the films of the journalism genre. And I've, we've said previously, as we talked about the journalism film can tackle several different forms of journalism. We've talked about broadcast news last week, and we've talked about tablet journalism, which is very prominent in this one. Um, and we said the kind of the simple way of telling a journalism movie is to be a a long form investigation where the main reporters are asking a lot of questions and trying to piece together the story. And these are movies like all the president's men, Zodiac spotlight. And then we've talked about movies that deal with the ethics of journalism, sweet smug success, uh, in the first episode of the month. And we talked about how that was a morality tale for Sidney Falco to see how far he would go to climb the ladder of success within the journalism world. And we talked about ethics last week when talking about James L. Brooks's broadcast news. And also for broadcast news, we talked about the changing of the guard where news became less about information and more about selling the story and making money. And what's unique about kind of today's movie is that they deal with a lot of these, all of these issues in some way. If it's just Absolutely. like in dialogue or whatever. And today's movie is the 1994 film, The Paper, directed by Ron Howard. And, a, and starring an all-star cast that we'll we'll get into later. And so I sent you the list, Amy, with all the possible movies. And you sent me a couple movies. And this was one you picked. Why did you want to talk about this film? Great question. So I really wanted to talk about this film because I thought it was a really... Because of the cast. Because of the all-star cast. I think that all of these people are obviously super talented actors who were already established at the time that this movie was made. And so, I mean, they were all, a lot of them were Academy Award winners or Academy nominated, like, you know, Oscar nominated Mm -hmm. actors at this point. And so I wanted to talk about, or I wanted to just like see this movie that I feel like was an important moment in their kind of career and in their trajectory of like where they were going. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was that that really drew me in for the paper. Yeah, I feel like I, I don't have the actual number, but like I think if you added up all the nominations, Oscar nominations these actors have had, it's in the like twenties probably. Like, yeah, it's yeah, nuts. Yeah, it's like I mean Keaton, who's the star, Michael Keaton is the star. He has one, but like Duvall right. has like seven. I think Glenn Close. I mean, now in the current time, I think has like eight or nine. And Marissa Tomei had won too. She had, as well. Yeah, she had already won. Yeah, yeah. we'll get into that. For, she, my cousin yeah, Vinny. Yeah, my yeah. cousin Vinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's it's a very much like that's why I will talk about. But like, it's very much like when I was watching this, I was like, yeah, they don't make movies like this anymore. I know it's kind of like a cliche thing right. to say, but uh, well, and I think. I think one of the things we had also talked about on some on the shows in the past is like this was a big like a movie that kind of helped the careers of certain people. And so that was kind of interesting. Like we had talked about how like this was a starting role for them. But in this movie, it wasn't like a lot of these people were already established. I think that's where I was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's it's a it's a it's a big ensemble said with just top actors at the time it's a rated r comedy like dramedy kind of thing as well which is like something you don't see uh on this level and by a studio um so you would think because it has so many talented actors it would be more talked about and the uh and the consciousness in some way um so yeah so a little bit of, of an intro about this film the paper uh, not currently streaming on any service for free, sadly, but you can rent or buy the film online on any rental platform like Amazon, Apple, etc. Um, so the paper was released in 1994 and was directed by Ron Howard. And as we said, it stars a fantastic ensemble cast of Michael Keaton, Glenn Close, Mercy Tomei, Randy Quaid, Robert Duvall, and some appearances by Jason Alexander, Jason Robards, and Catherine O'Hara for one, one quick one scene. scene. Yeah. yeah, one scene. I always, uh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine hiring Catherine O'Hara for one scene. Yeah, we, that seems crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, she's she got a mention last week too because she was up for uh, the role in Broadcast News before she got big. Um, so oh, it's, interesting. It's fun to see her like popping around in this one. Um, so yeah, so it tells the story of a day in the life of a New York tabloid newspaper called the Sentinel. Uh, Michael Keaton plays nope. Henry. What is it not the Sentinel? It's called the Sun. Oh, the, the Sun is the Sentinel's name. Owen. No, oh man, <laughs> I was I was re- I was reading too many uh, like uh, film facts. Thank you. I was reading too many film. No problem. No problem. I was reading. I got script. Uh, I was reading too many film facts like why they named something the Sentinel. I was like, oh, I for- yeah. I was like, I was like, I thought it was the Sun. But I guess it's the Sentinel. Okay, you're correct. New York Sun is the tabloid <laughs> newspaper. It's okay. I like being corrected on here. No, uh, New York Sun. <laughs> Well, no, we're right. We need to get get that right. So Michael Keaton plays Henry Hackett, Henry Hackett, a workaholic editor of the Metro section of the New York Sun. Uh, his editor in chief is Bernie White, played by Robert Duvall, a aging aging man that's beginning to contemplate several of his life decisions. Uh, Henry's main foe in the film is his direct superior, Alicia Clark, uh, the managing editor of the newspaper, played by Glenn Close. Um, this one day in Henry's life is full of ethical and personal questions that could affect the rest of his life. He is constantly being forced to deal with his job, financial issues, ethical questions, and his pregnant wife at home, played by Marissa Tomei, a former reporter who is stuck uh, at home wanting, him to fo- wanting Henry to focus less on the job and more on their future family together. But the main story serves as the backdrop for the char- characters is of two young black teenagers who are accused of killing two out of town white businessmen. Uh, and Keaton believes that these two boys are innocent from overhearing the police scanner about the arrest they've made. And he wants to seek evidence to prove uh, that this story is wrong. And that his paper does not print a false story that could damage these boys futures. A lot of talented people. A lot. 
so Amy, what were your thoughts when rewatching this film? Um, my initial thoughts, initial takeaway <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. are, um, this movie. So I've actually seen the paper once before, but it mm-hmm. was like a long time, a longish time ago. Yeah. Um, and it was before I was more active in my, uh, journey as a feminist. <laughs> So watching it this time, I was extremely interested in the female characters. So my initial thoughts kind of lie with how these female characters are written. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I also actually really enjoyed, like with that major caveat, I actually really enjoyed the writing of this movie. Like um, I didn't love the third act, which I guess we'll talk about later, but yeah. like I definitely liked the uh, one-liners and the setup. The first 45 minutes of this film were, to me, yeah. excellent. I, I really enjoyed them. So those are, that's kind of my initial thoughts. Yeah, it's one of those films. It's it's like the ending, the ending kind of, as we get into it, because there'll be spoilers for those that haven't seen it, the ending definitely feels like it kind of tries to tie everything up uh, in a neat bow, and, and it does it to like uh to the nth degree it feels like it's like everything's happening yeah. i mean because like because there's a line where miss tomei is like i have a hypothetical and she's like let's say a robber comes in and points a gun it's me <laughs> or the son and she's like and he's like come on no one you can't make that there's decision not gonna, yeah there's not gonna be a gun no one's gonna yeah. do that she goes it, 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 there could be a gun there could be a gun and <laughs> and it's like and her, her point is that, like, these little decisions end up being big ones. But what ends up happening kind of the third act is that it's literally kind of basically almost a gun of, like, hey, it's your family or the son you pick. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he, he ends up picking, like, the family. But that's because he kind of, everything else kind of sets course with the, uh, with the son. And it's still, the, yeah. 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 It's, it's. Well, like, does he, though? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very yeah, it's it's kind of it's 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 a little odd. And like as I said, like they don't make movies like this anymore. It's like what I was thinking. I'm just like yeah. You look yeah, at this. They don't. You look at this cast when they're in like those journalism when and they're in the, like their their briefs, their meetings or whatever. Like their yeah. morning meeting, their afternoon meeting, and it's just like you're just watching. It feels just like ugh, I love those scenes. It almost feels like a lot of times they're just like ad libbing a lot. Yeah. I don't know if they yeah. are. But there's points where I was just like, yeah, they don't need to keep going, but I feel like they're just like letting Keaton like go off it, on it something. It felt like they're allowing the cast to just like take a moment to breathe yeah. and just kind of yeah. like let it feel natural. So, yes. and we're I know I want to talk about those in the it, yeah, yeah. a little bit later, no, more in sure. depth. But yeah, uh, I agree. But yeah, the gen- the gender politics and the gender roles of this movie are, are interesting. I, it's stuff I like. It's things again, like you said, like you you you. I remember there being some issues the first few times I watched it, but sometimes you, sadly, you kind of just let those things pass and don't really think about them. But when we do the show, we try to like kind of uh, tackle intentionally, those, yeah, intentionally look at those things. And this was just right. like, oh, it feels like every like to to a point where it's like you had like the photographer. We'll done this later. Like the photographer, Robin. Robin is just like. He purposely puts her on it knowing she will fail. Yeah. Is yeah. the thing. And then you have like Marissa Tomei who's like wants to be back at work and loves the paper, but is also just like, hey, you're spending too much time there. Come like yeah. spend time with me. 
Uh, and I'm worried about like being too one note on your show because I know that I no, always bring up like, hey, th- these movies don't have the best representation. No. But I do think what's interesting about the paper is, um, and what I will say to its credit is, I think that both, um, and I think her, her name is Marty, right? Is it Marty or Martha? For let's see, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, Marissa Tomei is Martha. Maybe she they probably Marth, they, they call they, they probably call, call her Marty. Marty. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, um, her Marty and Alicia to me, um, although in my opinion not well written at, from the pe- female perspective, I yeah. do think they're strong females, yeah. and I like that. Like they're both like very confident, like totally. You know what I mean? I I yeah. really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, it's odd because like we we mentioned this uh, last week on broadcast news about how like James L. Brooks wanted to he he has Holly Hunter in the lead role because he wanted to kind of see the the shift of seeing like women in higher positions in right. the television news sector. And with this, it's kind of the same thing. It's like you're seeing uh, Alicia Clark played by Glenn Close in this high ranking job, right? And it's dealing with kind of the like how people don't like her because she's yeah. like a woman. Yeah. And a, so it's like, it's weird because it, it hits things that are like worth discussing and are very realistic, but then it kind of delves in the other parts that just feel like it makes like they're all, it's very close, but not quite there yeah. is how I would like, it's like they re like you could see that there like an, like an effort was made, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but it didn't quite fall. There's this line. She says, in a scene that I otherwise don't really love, but the beginning of the fight sequence at the end, she yes. says, you couldn't take the shit I put up with. Yeah, yeah. And if that is not a sentence that I have <laughs> felt and heard <laughs> yeah. and, like, seen in my, like, career and in my life as a woman, like, that was such a great, like... So there were definitely some moments, there were some lines where I very much felt like they really captured and kind of nailed that experience. Yeah. In like a in like a single line almost, but I think the character overall like was not. And there's you know. a there's a reason for that, and so did Glenn Close improvise no, that no, line? No, no, no. no. So you'll we'll, oh, let me get into okay. it now uh, as we talk about the brief history of how it got made. Um, okay. So in the early 1990s, screenwriter David Cope was probably one of the one of the one of the hottest writers in the in Hollywood at this point. Uh, in 1992, after I think make, writing about five scripts or so that got made, David worked on Robert Zemeckis' film Death Becomes Her that starred Meryl Streep, Susan Sarandon, and Bruce Willis. Uh, and then 1993 was a massive year for him as he wrote Carlito's Way, directed by Brian De Palma and starring Al Pacino and Sean Penn. Um, but the big thing was the juggernaut blockbuster known as Jurassic Park, which he <laughs> co-wrote with the book's author, Michael Crichton. I think Cope around this time was 30 years old um wow so yeah so david began working with his brother steven on a script about the day in the life of a newspaper because steven was a senior editor at time magazine around this point and i think they had all i think both of them might have had experience being journalists but specifically his brother steven uh because he was at time um and besides capturing another day at at the paper they also wanted to look at the financial pressures of a paper to get it on the street and to tell the truth. Um, So after the initial pitch and possible draft, uh, Universal Pictures greenlit the project. 
And and so after working on the 1992 film Far and Away, starring Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, director Ron Howard was looking to work on a project regarding the newspaper industry. He talked about how early in the 1930s and 40s, there was a lot of newspaper movies like The Front Page or His Girl Friday and how that had kind of died off since that era, besides a few exceptions. And that's when good buddy Steven Spielberg told him to reach out to David Cope. Um, nice. H- Howard had planned on pitching Cope his idea for a newspaper movie. Um, but David could only talk about how great he thought the script for Ron Howard's Parenthood was, which is honestly, I think, for those that haven't seen Parenthood, I think one of Ron Howard's most underrated films. And I think he did the he did a story by on it. Um, but as they were talking, Howard was kind of like flattered. And then he asked David what he was working on currently. And when he when David told him the pa- about the paper, Howard said the answer was music to my ears. 24 hours at a tabloid newspaper. Uh, Howard read the script and remembers saying, I like the fact that it dealt with the behind the scenes of headlines, but I also connected with the characters trying to cope during this 24-hour period, desperately trying to find this balance in their personal lives, past and present. To prepare for the film, Howard made several visits to the New York Post and Daily News. There he saw how many women were working in the newsroom, and he, yeah. he noticed how Cope's, the Cope's uh, film was very m- mostly men. And yes. that prompted him to tell the Copes to change, change the character of Alan to Alicia. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, so now we're uncovering the truth. Yeah. And the Cope brothers liked the idea, so that's what they did. And apparently the majority of Alicia's dialogue was not changed, <laughs> which, which makes a lot of sense. Very interesting. When you when you think about it. I kind of want to go back and watch it now just to re-listen to the dialogue. Yeah, I didn't know after I didn't know what why after I before what when I watched it that was the case. Like, oh, it kind of makes sense. But it specifically makes sense for when there becomes a fist fight and the final yes. but not like because uh, I always like, why are they like that this? like two that makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah. Cause you can yeah, see cause- like two dudes fighting in the like yeah i could see two dudes getting that toxic with one another that they felt like they had to come to fisticuffs yeah, yeah. i could see that yeah but it's like it's it's odd where it's like it's keaton and glenn close right like and it was it was weird yeah like it was hella weird yeah <laughs> that did not play well with me and i do think they should have changed it, it hasn't aged well um no <laughs> <laughs> it did not <laughs> So when casting the film, uh, Ron Howard eventually cast Michael Keaton in the lead role of Henry Hackett. Keaton had worked with Ron Howard twice before in the 1980s films Night Shift and Gung Ho. Uh, It was two years after Keaton had made Batman Returns. Uh, Glenn Close took the role of Alicia. At this point, she was a five-time Oscar nominee already. Damn! Um... Yeah, she had a big run. And to this day, wait, didn't we talk about this on another podcast? She, yeah, still she, has not won still an Oscar, is, right? Still, still has not won. Uh, Such bullshit. Is up this year, I think, is Oscars in our week when this comes out. Um, you sometimes forget how great of a run she had in the 80s. Because she had an Oscar. She had 83, 84, 85, 88, 89 nominations. Mm-hmm. Damn. So she was cast. Uh, then Marissa Tomei, as we said, was currently experiencing a very hot, uh, big hot streak in Hollywood after her Oscar win in the 1992 film My Cousin Vinny. She was also in 
Chaplin, I believe, which starred Robert Downey Jr. She was in there yes. briefly. I, th- I think that was nominated for a bunch of awards. I know Downey was at least. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how our players came together. Amy, can you tell me one of your favorite scenes from the Yes, paper? but before I do that, yeah. are we going to later talk about how Marissa Tomei and Michael Keaton were both in Spider-Man Homecoming? Yeah, that because... was that was that was gonna be a film fact, so we can we can say it now. Yeah. Oh no, oh no, I'm sorry. It's okay. I was super excited. I was like, this is how they came together and they stayed together. <laughs> Um, I don't know. No, they, so, they, I don't know if they, have, they have scenes in Spider-Man: Homecoming together. I can't remember. I actually don't know. I don't remember. I actually don't think they do. Yeah. But I was really excited about it, and I was like watching it, and I was like, "Oh, that's so weird." They were both in Spider-Man: Homecoming. I mean, I mean, the thing is, too, so is Downey, and uh, yeah, and, and ninety-two. Oh, she's weird. She's in two movies. Her two big. That's actually or, or nineteen ninety-four. Yeah. Literally, that's what made me think of it is when you said Robert Downey Jr. and Chaplin. Yeah. Yeah, so. and there, I mean, there's, and I, and I have some thought. I mean, I have some thoughts on like how Downey in the same movies, Downey is now like was Iron Man, and then Keaton's the main villain, and Marissa Tomei. Yeah, she's she's fine. She's great as Aunt May, but underutilized in my opinion. I agree. I totally agree. A favorite scene. Back to yeah, favorite scenes. Sorry. All right, so we've already actually touched on it. Um, the meetings in the newsroom, yeah. we kind of talked a little bit about that. I just loved these scenes. I thought that they were well-directed. I thought they were, they were well-edited, too. Um, I think there's a tendency sometimes when you have these like big group ensemble talking scenes to cut things too quickly. And I liked that they let the uh, they let the shots play out, which yeah. I really enjoyed. We got to see some reactions. Um, the background characters didn't feel underutilized. They yeah. were, you know, they felt important. They were adding to. They gave us a lot of context about time. They gave us a lot of context about um how the 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 vibe of the sun was like yeah. what the what the you know what the what the rapport was between all of the reporters mm-hmm. i really so i really enjoyed the that those scenes um really any not one of them in particular just like really yeah. all of those scenes because it happened a couple times throughout the yes. movie i liked i liked them yeah they do a good job of like capturing the different areas of the newspaper Yes, and also, absolutely. but also like the beat, like the beat journalists, like the ones who cover this specific area of New York, right? And how yeah. they're just like, you're coming in on my territory, Carmen. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like <laughs> they're very, or it's, or, and then, but then also just like the office politics, like, hey, you said I could have that desk. Now you're giving right. it to her. I want That's a chair. Not right. Yeah, I I'm want gonna a chair. buy my own. I'm gonna buy my six hundred dollar chair. Metro. I assume we're all over the subway. Three pieces. Tick-tock, list of injured, search for heroes, standard transportation rank stuff. We got any art? Yeah, I had you pick up some nice spaghetti shots on this one. Love the severed arm shot. What about the motorman? They find him yet? Yeah, they found him drunker than a skunk in his neighborhood bar. Oh, God, he derails his train and steps over bodies to have a few beers. What do you do after you step over bodies? I have a cigarette and go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go, we got an above-average bank robbery in the Bronx. That's good. An exploding hand grenade in Hoboken. What about something fun? Don't we have anything uh, fun today? Nazis marching in New Jersey. There you go. Oh, yeah. Nazis are a barrel of laughs. As it kind of gets into, which is, I think, an interesting kind of conversation that I noticed this time, is the how specific newspapers look at other forms of journalism. So it's like the New York Sun, they're like, we cover New York. 
Yeah, yeah. That's that was the interesting. Thing. And they established that really well with those meetings. Those really helped establish that. It's the we cover New York, and that's like that's the big thing about him going to the Sentinel. Um, is that <laughs> he's he's he we cover the world. He goes, Oh yeah. Right. We covered the world. We covered yeah. the world. And 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 uh and super so, pretentious. So it's yeah. weird. <laughs> and then it's like I love uh, uh Jeffrey Owens, uh who plays Lou. Yeah, he's so good. He, he, he was I love the part funny. he goes, look at what the TV people have, like kind of like making fun of the, the television news people. Like it's the same thing. Yeah. It's old news. It's old news. <laughs> like we're they're yeah. covering what we covered this morning yesterday. Yeah. And I also really liked that this established, I remember like the family, I I really enjoyed that it established like the family feel of when you work with people in close yeah. proximity and high stakes. Like yeah. when I worked in the film industry, I can tell you that is how it is. Like, you know, that's very like, that's very similar to like journalism and film. It's like you're under a high pressure, high stakes all the time. And you work with people for hours and hours and hours. You start to understand their nuances. You understand like things that they're gonna like be obnoxious about yeah. that they're, they had their like little quirks or you know pet peeves and you have all these like inside jokes in this way um and i mean when you work in film like i mean i worked in the accounting office and i worked still worked like nearly 12 mm-hmm. hours a day i mean people who actually work on set sometimes work 14 16 19 hour days you yeah. know and so it's like i feel like they really captured that same energy and i really loved that because it felt it felt familiar to me it was something i i was like yeah that that's uh they nailed that yeah because <laughs> so. like, there's people you know that like are kind of like the character of phil and phil's a character who's like constantly walking around with a bad back and wants the orthopedic uh <laughs> right orthopedic chair yeah. and like everyone's just like screwing with the guy like is what it feels like. Yeah. It's the, like he goes, I buy in the chair, and then he yeah. buys the chair, puts a do not touch sign on it, and then he comes back and like he finds that someone stolen the chair and has gave him given him a stool. I won't name names, but that legitimately reminded me of a guy I worked with in the accounting <laughs> office, and I like I was watching it. I was like, oh, that's totally so and so. But like, the, the line, the line before that is like is is Henry. And this other thing of like going from desk to desk and sitting down, like finish up typing the story and give it yeah. a read. But Henry's like Keaton sits down and like he leaves. He goes, "Great chair, Henry, or great chair, Phil." But then you realize <laughs> that like it's someone else's chair. Like he's it's sitting at someone else's. He's sitting desk. at someone else's desk. Yeah, not yeah. At Phil's. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the dynamic. That's why I really love. This is why I really love about movies is the, is the dynamic, as you say, that they capture with all these characters. Right, going back and forth. Even like the random other thing to add to the the event is that rant the uh, the like uh or the uh the 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 AC guy who's like trying to fix the AC the air conditioner. Oh yeah, the air conditioner the whole time. And they're just like keep going from place to place. Five minutes, you'll feel like penguins in here. Yeah, it's gonna be Antarctica Antarctica in here, guys. And it's just it's never fixed. (laughs) They're just constantly getting hotter and hotter. And I think the production designers did such a great job of adding in like some very subtle details to help us like fill in some blanks about like who these people were. I really enjoyed just like looking at what was happening in the set and in the scenery and all of these things. And I think 
one of the things I really enjoyed was like these walk and talk scenes, which I yeah. definitely think Aaron Sorkin, because yeah. um, West Wing was like, what, five years later? A little bit later, I definitely yeah. think Aaron Sorkin like watched the paper and was like, this is the feel I'm going for. Because I think like it very much reminded me of West Wing, how they're all walking and talking and you get a sense of, because not just the, um, not just the dialogue, not just the characters, but also the place and the setting of, you know, what's around them, you know? And I, I really enjoyed yeah. that. Like, I liked the lady that was like watering all of her plants in the very opening, like kind of sequence, not the opening sequence, but the opening yeah. sequence at we the, see, we at see the, the paper. Because they're yeah, usually, yeah. as you're saying too, they're like usually like, because again, we I, I mentioned John Seal, the DP. A lot of those notes this time were like those, they're long takes as like Keaton's walking through the newspaper and like you're, you're introduced to everyone. You're introduced to the layout of it. Um, right. And it's done. It's done very well. It and, is very much so. Yeah, a few a few comments I read online talked about how like I wonder if Sorkin had seen this, but also absolutely, it's it's that there, there's that, but also I would say too, I think with both of them, with the paper and with West Wing, they're probably pulling from some of the same influences. Yeah, for um, sure. So that's that true. that's also the big thing. Like we talked about uh, back in February, um, we talked about Preston Sturgis and how there's a lot of walk and talks in some of his movies and Sorkin said that he like was inspired by those. And so, so it makes sense that the paper would also have those same influences. Same, same yeah, influence. for sure, yeah. yeah. For sure. But still, but I'm not, I'm not describing that there is a possibility because it's such a, both like a high, uh, high pressure job for both of them. Yeah. It, he was aware of it. I'll say well, that. And even in, even in his girl Friday, like that was one of the things I really enjoyed about that. They had walk and talks in that yeah. movie as well. And so I almost think that this is kind of like, um, it, I, I don't know if it's has to be in a journalism movie. I wouldn't say that it's in every single one of them, but I think that it's definitely something I've seen in movies like this, where there is that dynamic established that movement. Um, and so I don't know. I just, I really liked, I liked that. It's well. a, it's, it's a, it's an easy way to, it's a, I mean, not easy, but it's a, a simple way to get words out is kind of the thing. Yeah, so it's absolutely. like usually these dialogue heavy uh, scripts kind of have those. I've got like 64 Wait. seconds. What's wrong? No, that's well, why don't you let me go to justice for you? Got a much better contact than McDougal does. Because you're on leave. Okay, I'll go anyway. So, how was the interview? Did he offer you the job? Not. Yes. You got any change? Not. Yes. What does not yes mean? It means you offered me the job, but I said I'd have to think about it. I have thought it. about it. I'd like to think some more. Why? Because I have until tomorrow morning, I like to think, and that's the end of the conversation. Jeez. Oh, you wish. Hey. Anybody hear a gunshot? A gunshot? Yeah, that was down at Alicia's office. Like, I don't know what. What's this? This is going to be good. <laughs> it's empty. Anybody around here respect the deadline anymore? Another scene I really love is Miles Keaton yelling at the Sentinel editor in chief. After he's like, because Keaton, so Keaton stills the uh, their the 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 Sentinels lead on the investigation of the two boys who've been arrested off off the desk when Keaton's like doing his interview for the Sentinel is that he steals the information a, a, a very a, a very ethical like question yeah <laughs> um, which I think is a part of the whole journalism uh. You know, we talked. You were talking about like tropes and journalism and things that make it classically journalism. Yeah, definitely yeah. an ethical question. Yes. Yeah, and a little bit of morality of like how far will he go? Yes. 
to get the story. Yeah. Correct. Um, but also the other thing too is, and it kind of delves in the whole, again, the, the conversation when he's like, I don't live in the world. I live in New York city. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, he, 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 it's this, again, capturing this, uh, we cover like the saw the earth, like the, the kind of like sensational stories that you don't cover. Right. Um, Right. There's this level of like, and so that's what what Keaton is so like kind of hell bent on getting the story right. He's like, because he's like, no one takes us seriously. Well, and I think the other thing that I thought was really interesting is it almost feels like Henry in this moment feels like he deserves the story because his paper covers New York. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, like the Sentinel doesn't even really deserve to be telling the story because they focus on the world. This just happens to be a story that's happening right here in our backyard. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so they're conveniently, you know, so I, I, I almost wonder like if that, um, cause I, I actually, I did enjoy that scene too. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I thought that was a really, I thought it was very interesting. I also thought it was a parallel, a, a, a really drawing attention to Henry's life and how really and truthfully, like he's so super focused yeah. on the newspaper, which I think in many ways can like be a metaphor for the same way that he feels about New York. Like yeah, yeah. he has a hard time seeing the bigger picture. He has a hard time like connecting the the broadest sense of his life and his world. Yeah. You know what I mean? When he's so focused on journalism and in this exact moment, he does the same thing with New York. He's like, no, we're about New York. And, you know, so I thought that was, I kind of thought that was interesting. I realize. You know, this doesn't exactly get us off on the right foot. The right foot? Are you out of your mind? Why, the office rescinded. Um, How stupid do you think we are? What Paul, listen. Well, when I put two and two together, three, three and a half? And hey, you Paul, look, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be reasonable Wait, here. Why, just let me... Why don't you just uh, take my wallet as well, hey? Let me talk. Let me say something. Wait a... Well, I hope you're satisfied, asshole. You just blew your chance to cover the world. Really? Well, guess fucking what? I don't really fucking care. You want to know fucking why? Because I don't fucking live in the fucking world. I live in fucking New York City. So go fuck yourself. You handle that well. Thank you. And his office, the guys, what's his, what is his name? The, you just said it a minute ago. Um, the guy who runs the Sentinel. Bur- Bernie. I'm sorry, no, 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 the no, Sentinel. No. Oh, that's uh, Paul Paul Bladden. Spalding Gray is the actor. Yeah, Bladden. Bladden. That guy, like his office felt very collegiate. Like it looked very academic. Like it was very well put together. And then by complete contrast, Bernie's office has like notes everywhere. And there's just like all this stuff. Um, like, like, so, me, yeah, like I liked Henry, that Henry, contrast. Henry, Henry's drinking Coke every day yeah every like I, day I, I doubt, which, I, I, nice product placement for cl- coke oh my a, god it's a, odd, it's a, i mean i was like it's an odd product placement because it's like they're con- he, like henry's constantly drinking coke and they're saying you know that stuff's bad for you right like yeah you, you, like because like it starts off with like uh martha uh, uh it's just like you might as well just pour battery acid down your stomach. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, Coke would not let you do that today, I feel like. Yeah, I don't think they would. Like, but they definitely did because it was great. I mean, and it was everywhere, you know? Like, there but was it so may, much Coke but in that like, movie. It, but, like, in, like, 94, that makes complete sense to me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's like, it is, it is like, for him, it's the coffee of, of what people do, like, uh, all right. the time now. It's like, because he literally says, 
don't bring me that until I have three cokes, okay? Don't bring me that. <laughs> I've heard. I think that's written on a mug somewhere in my house. Like you know, like don't talk to me until don't I've talk had three, three cokes. cokes Everyone else is like. Yeah, with coffee, he's like, three Cokes. Gee, what are these? Oh, subway wreck, West 4th Street this morning. Did you find the one with the... Is uh, that an arm? Oh, yeah, you found it. Oh, okay. yeah, don't, don't, don't put these on my desk in the morning, okay? Not until I've had three Cokes, okay? Oh, hey, Henry. Three Cokes, then a picture. Henry? That's the rule. What? You know what's going on at Fort Green? Two dozen cops hassling anybody with a black face on a record on the Williamsburg murder thing. If there's going to be a riot, which I think there is, then we should have somebody there. Unless, of course, you want to get stomped two days in a row in the same story. <laughs> get stomped two days? That's funny. Doesn't anybody say good morning anymore? I don't think so. Why I keep coming back to this movie a lot of times is because of how it captures setting, place, characters. Like, that's the thing I love, again, as I said, in the, um, in the kind of meeting, the comma scenes, it's that you get a sense of who everyone is by, like, the clothes they wear. Or like, cause like the guy who's like talking about the stock market feels like a guy who would talk about the stock market. Right, right, right. The, he's like British or whatever. And yeah. he's, been, he's like a character actor in a few other yes, things. Yes, and I was yes. like, I know I've seen you in other things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so it's just kind of like they're capturing of like the, or like, it's like the one, like Carmen represents a specific area. Cause she's be, being, uh, 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 Latina, Latina woman who's like in the era or in the area, yeah. and so there's all there is like di- that's what I think too is there is like diversity within the cast of like the the news the columnist to some extent. It's yeah, not, uh, and I think I think speaking on diversity like briefly, and I'm sure we'll get into this more in depth like later. Yeah, yeah. I think we and I think we should yeah, yes, definitely yes, talk about it more in yeah, depth later. A, yes, but I do think we're also seeing like this trend in the '90s where like. Um, people of color are starting to it's like a it's almost it's it's kind of like the good white guys who like have people of color in their movies to yes. say they do you know what I mean yeah and like these characters aren't really fully formed they're not fully fleshed um and like I feel like there's kind of some um yeah I I, I just feel like it's very much like it's almost like a a pitying or like we're doing the right thing by including these characters if that makes any sense it's not really like giving them a full voice in this i mean yes i agree with you on that because uh, that is the thing is that all the main characters are white um yes. and all the, and the story too. that they're covering is inherently not yeah that's white. that's why i want to go into too because it it, it it i the 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 how and i, I don't know if it's the, how the newspapers handle how, how the newspaper handles it I wonder how the movie handles the social commentary of the two uh, young black teenagers who are arrested. Like there's, and, and there's, there's one thing when I read on the history, I'll go into it later that Bob, what like made, like made it bother me a little bit more. Um, but we'll, we'll go into that part later. Um, yeah. But yeah, but what, but speaking of the diversity, there is like the subtle thing is that like, Carmen, uh, she like basically doesn't like that the the kind of like alcoholic white guy is off at the bar every day, and she's like, "Look, this is my neighborhood. I want to cover this." Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like she goes, "Like you're not gonna find." Because that's why that's the I don't know if you catch this or not, but I I catch the list time is that that's the reason they missed the story. The to first begin, time. the first time is because right. that dude is off at a bar. And no one could drinking. get in t- drinking, and no right. one could get in touch with them. 
And Carmen's just like, yo, you don't want to miss this story a second time. Let me go down there and find out what's going on. Yeah, um, absolutely. So there is, there's like, again, there's hints of it. There's like potential for it to be stronger in the story, but doesn't fully go there. Um, but it's trying to get, like you're saying, it's trying, it's using that to test again, the morality of Henry's, of yeah. Michael Keaton's character of the, Hey, like if we get this story wrong, I, I never wanted to print. That's the kind of the line he says to, uh, to Glenn Close at one point, it's the, until now, I never, I, we, we never printed a story that we knew was wrong. And that's right. the key is that they know the story's wrong. Right. And she, right. Want, and they want to print it because it saves them money and they'll just fix it tomorrow. He's like, no, these kids are going to be damaged the rest of their life because we print this story about them. Like yeah. they will at one point be be saying these kids were guilty in some points. Come on, Bernie, listen to this. We're not talking about some publicity hound here who crawls into the cage and begs for this kind of thing. We're talking about two kids who may not exactly enjoy the whole prison experience. Oh, please, Henry, you don't care where they got beaten up or not. That's not what this is all about. We got our ass kicked yesterday, so you want to beat everyone else today. That's all. Yeah, I do. I do. You don't? Oh, come on. You don't? Break. Tell me you don't. You do. Fuck it then. Let's not beat anybody today. Let's not beat anybody all week. Bernie, what do you say? Let's not beat anybody uh, till October, the whole year. Fuck it. Let's never beat anybody the rest of our lives. Oh, glad you're not overreacting. So what do you want to run, Henry? What? I don't know. Uh, what do I want to run? Uh, they didn't do it. They didn't do it? You well, don't, I don't think have of these that. things. You don't have close to that. You have unattributed cops. She doesn't you have got something you. you read upside down. And you don't have gotcha either, not for page one, not until you get a shot of the kids. So we're going on the perp walk. What's the big deal? So what time do they walk? 7.30. So we stretch it a little. Are you going to pay for that? Yes. We stretch the deadline to eight. If we get art on the two kids at the walk of shame, it's gotcha. If we miss them, the subway is page one. Ah, oh, subway's bullshit. Bernie, come on. Hey, hey, you don't have it, you know it. Uh, you want to run the story? You got five hours until eight o'clock. Go get the story. No, hey, hey, do your job. Uh, uh, you... Do your job. Don't just take a position because it's the opposite of what she says. I mean, it's like watching a bunch of sixth graders, for Christ's sake. Onset life. So I don't, I don't have anything on onset life. So I don't know. No one's done a, 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 a retrospective in the history of the wow. paper, it feels like. So, I mean, they shot in New York, I guess, from the way it looks Yeah, like. <laughs> shot in New York. So, Aftermath. Uh, the film was released on March 18th, 1994, so it was a day before Glenn Close's birthday, um, <laughs> where it was met with mostly positive reviews. Um, Roger Ebert gave it three and a half out of four stars. It was fairly successful, grossing around $48 million at the box office, which is about $90 million today. The film would receive one Oscar nomination for Best Original Song, Make Up Your Mind by Randy Newman. Also, it gets its own card yeah. at the beginning of the movie. That's that, yeah, that's that's like that's like I feel like that's a Randy Newman special. You always gotta make yeah. sure Randy Newman gets his own card of like Randy Newman made the song. Um <laughs> Do you know what won the 1994 Oscars? I will give you one hint. It was a Disney movie. What won? What won the original? Oscars? Yeah, what, it was a song from a Disney movie. Oh, 1994 was was it Lion King? It was Lion King. Okay, so it's a is it a song from Lion King? It is a song from Lion King. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got like you got a couple songs right. to pick from. Akuna Matata. Not Be that prepared. one. Yeah. No, I'm listing them. Oh, Don't okay. tell me. I'm <laughs> listing them. I'm listing them. Okay, Aguna Matata. Okay. Be prepared. Um, circle of Life. It's got, oh, Circle of Life. It's got to be Circle of Life. It's not Circle of Life. Shut up. 
Circle of Life is 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 is, is not a Cami. I feel like it's just like not a Cami award in the '90s. Like I'm not saying it's not a great song. It's not probably the best song in the movie. Was it? The morning report, which didn't make it into the final cut of the movie, somehow. It, it, it was. The, <laughs> there's, a, there, there's a. There's a big one you're missing. Can you feel the love tonight? Oh, can I? Can, can you, you feel the love tonight? Ah, Elton John. No, no, no. I just stopped. No, no, no. I hadn't forgotten about it. I just stopped listing after Circle of Life sure. because clearly the Oscars. <laughs> no, I promise. Because clearly the Oscars got it wrong. It should have been Circle of Life. I love Elton John. I love Can You Feel the Love Tonight. I mean, he did, he did Circle of Life is like one of the best songs ever. He did Circle of Life too. He did Circle of Life too. Did he? Okay. Yeah, See, yeah. yeah, it's a phenomenal song. I'm I, shocked I just, that I think, it, Yeah, I think, okay. I think Hans Zimmer did a little bit more with it. I can't remember if they wrote it together. Oh, well, and part of it is the orchestration. And yeah, that's, I mean. that's kind of, I think, I think he, Tim Rice, uh, and, then, and then Zimmer produced it. Okay. But it was a big year in 1994 to give you a little brief uh history it was we saw releases such as pulp fiction forrest gump shawshank redemption the lion king quiz show and four weddings and a funeral so yeah so so i'll give you what happened afterwards i mean ron howard next year makes apollo 13 so a much a much bigger film yes uh for his career with tom hanks with tom hanks and then david cope ends up writing mission impossible two years later co-writing mission impossible two years later so yeah, so what worked about the movie? Um, for me, the undertone of humor okay. really worked in this movie. I really, I appreciated the levity that it brought. Yeah, and I liked the one-liners, so I thought that really worked. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think the the uh, realistic nature of like the bullprint bullpen in a newsroom, the kind of yeah. fran- frantic nature of the world, uh, how it works, tr- I think works tremendously. I think the cast, I think from top to bottom, except maybe the cop. I literally have I have acting performances like the performances by the actors were really well done. I yeah. think they were all really well cast. Yeah, like you get I me. Mean, yeah, like Jason Robards, an Oscar-winning actor, coming in for just like one scene at Radio City Music Hall as like the owner of the paper is what it is. And that's it. That's it. Yeah, that one scene. Yeah, that's all it is. And like, I thought that was a really oh my gosh, I totally forgot to mention this. What did you forget to mention? What worked? Um, there were a few moments of visual symbolism. Actually, I can do it here because there were a few moments of visual symbolism that I really enjoyed. Okay. Um, I really liked the um, when she's having this conversation with uh, Graham mm-hmm. and whatever I can't remember Kate Kingsley or whatever Keys Keysley. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the yeah. guy, the 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 guy who owns the newspaper. Yeah, yeah, Jason Robards. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So he um comes into the thing and they're having this whole conversation and he's like, you know, don't come to anything, don't come to me if you haven't gone to Bernie first. It's cheap. And then she rounds the corner and suddenly they're in the men's bathroom. Yeah. And I loved this visual symbolism of this character who is at her wits in with the men around her. And here she is at the very, at like one of the lowest points probably for her in her yeah. career. And she's surrounded by dicks. <laughs> and I thought that that like, <laughs> I loved that visually. I liked the like, I loved that like symbolism. I loved that. And she's just kind of like, she like nods her head and smiles and she just yeah. kind of like walks out like, you know, and I think this is such a statement of the time, you know, yeah. um, I was watching, I watched nine to five, uh, like a couple and nine to five was made in like the seventies, which I 80s, thought it was early. 80, sorry, sorry. Excuse yeah. me. It was 1980. It was, it was yeah. actually ni- the year 1980. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking about this is 14 years later. <laughs> like, 
like, you know, and we're still having the same conversation about like equal pay and like this whole conversation. And then you want to take it one step further. It's mm-hmm. now been 40 years <laughs> and we're still having this fucking conversation. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, at the time, like, like in 1994, I thought this scene was just a really well done, like visual kind of, um, you know, like showing that struggle of like, here's this like complete asshole. Um, so I liked the visual symbolism of the scene. I think that worked. And I think there were other moments like that in the film where they used visuals to kind of t- give you information about what was happening underneath and, yeah, and yeah. what those internal struggles were. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. If it was meant to be symbolic in any way, but, I do, but it is fine to look at it now. It'd be like, cause when she walks in, I, I don't know. You don't think so? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it was just. Am I giving them too much credit? I don't, it was not I, that I, intentional. I don't, you don't, I don't think? know. May, I, let's say right. yes. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I think sometimes it's just like, oh, this would be kind of funny if she walks into this and walks in the oh, men's room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I will say this is that like all the men get nervous when she walks in, which feels yeah. like I don't know if most men, I don't know if men would. They'd just be like, okay, whatever. But they're kind of like like yeah. Bob Costas, the 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 sports like guys, like getting closer to the urinal so she doesn't see anything, and then like <laughs> you see you get cut away of a dude like kind of hiding in the stall. Yeah, and then, yeah. And, the, and the line is like Jason Robards, like I really wish you weren't here right now. And that's, no, but I love that. But like, but it, it, it's like, yeah, is, is it a yes. joke or is it like a symbolism thing of, or symbolic thing of just like right. she's like coming into this like literally all men's world, men's world. Yeah. And they don't and want their there. Is, yeah, I don't want yes, you here. And it makes her un- and it makes them uncomfortable that yeah. she's there. Yeah, so I'll I get, loved that. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And we'll get in this with what didn't work, but I'll bring it up here of what I think they're trying to do or maybe somewhat works is that they're, they're like the women are like not shown well in the movie in terms of like all basically all the men kind of doubt the women's abilities in some way. Right, right. Yes. But they the women end up like overachieving at the end of the day with all their things yeah it's like that's the interesting thing is like like they like he sends robin because she won't get the photo like i'm she's she's terrible and then she ends up getting the photo i got it yeah it's like it's it's it's, it is a happy accident she kind of gets the photo, but she gets like but she has like She's able to like shoot the photo as she's falling down. Right, this kind right, of the right. thing. She gets it. <laughs> she overachieves and it gets a great photo and yeah. gets them and gets them actually looking at the photo because she fell down. Right. Um, you have Marissa Tomei, who's like the pregnant wife at home who like goes off and finds the key piece of information. Yeah. For yeah. the sto- for the story. And and Keaton's like, cause the other thing like, is he's like, I told you not to go. What'd you get? Yeah. <laughs> This makes me. He says this really ticks me off. This really ticks me off. What'd you find? What'd you find out? And then even with like with Glenn Close is that Alicia Clark and it kind of she kind of has more like Randy Quaid kind of tells her like what she's because because Keaton says like you've become what you hate or whatever and then yeah, Quaid yeah. has to explain it to her. But at the end of the day, the decision. Which I do think she was right. That was totally glib. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but the end of the, but for the story, the, the plot they're telling, the story they're telling. Is that she's the one that like makes the decision to do it? Yeah, like for she sure, she for goes sure. against what they think of her. So again, right, it's right. this thing of like I'm not saying it's perfect, but there's a step towards something with well, and the this characters. Is, this kind of leads into like we well, were talking about what didn't work. Yep, and we were talking about the scene earlier with in the bathroom. It's yeah. like 
they're close. Yeah. They're starting the conversations, but they're not fully exploring them and ex- and like really yes. pursuing those those stories and really giving them the uh they're not they're not well rounded. They're not what am I trying to say? The depth. The depth they're not yes. giving them the depth, the depth. that yeah. they deserve. Yeah. 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 Um, so we'll, so with that, we'll go and di- what, uh, what didn't work or did anything not work? So that, <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. that didn't I think, work. I think um, a lot, I think a lot of the movie is like, we're almost there, but we're, we're almost not, there. we're not fully there yet. Yeah. And I think that for me, what didn't work, the, the third act yeah. didn't work for yeah. me. The third act didn't work for me. Pretty much every scene. <laughs> <laughs> like Pretty really much. Usually. Well, no, I was just going to say it like started on the sidewalk. Like that's kind of how the third act opens is like they're standing on this. She's at the dinner. Yeah. And she kind of like, or I would argue that's kind of when the third act starts and they're standing on the sidewalk. Some, yeah, what yeah. would you say? When? I mean, the, the, thir- the third act to me would be, uh, it's the low point of the character. So it's probably when uh, she, Keaton tries to stop the presses Stop the presses. Um, oh, you think that's it? Because it's, it's the low moment that, like, he's fired. I thought that was the... Yeah, I guess so. I guess it, so. He, he's he's fired. They're going to print the wrong story. The night's over. That's the low moment for the entire story. And then... Yeah. The, but, but where do you think... You think before before then or after then? I think before then. Okay. Because I think... I, I think that... I mean, this may, I mean, this may or not matter. This isn't really what, what doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. But basically before, like before that, does it, when does it stop working? Well, I think it stops working like when they're standing on, when they're standing on the sidewalk yelling at each other. Oh, the, 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 I personally uh, feel like that's a low. Yeah. The hypothetical or whatever. The hypothetical that to me is like, we have reached the like, you have to make a decision or or not and you're choosing one or the other and you know that's kind of for me like when this whole thing started and i hated that scene so much <laughs> i also yeah and so i just i just really and then i think that there was just so much going on in the third the act that it felt very chaotic and the subplot started to deviate um and i just didn't yeah, I just really did yeah, it. Yeah, beca- everything, everything kind of, everything again, kind of, everything kind of ties up neatly. Is that Glenn Close finally realizes the error of her ways, and so she's like, "I'm gonna call up and uh, tell them to run the old, the, the right story." Then she gets shot in the leg by Jason Alexander in the bar, who's Sandusky, who's been after Randy Quay the entire yeah, time. Yeah, and it's just like a little bit like so too on the nose. Yeah. And then it's like, and then like once, uh, it's it's a sweet moment, but also just like. Feels like it's again, Marissa Tomei's character again. I just feel like they don't fully know what to do with her because she's like, Hey, stop caring about the paper so much, care about me and like the baby we're gonna have. But yet, she's like eight and a half months pregnant, yeah, out, like basically doing like under like investigative journalism, yeah. So, and yeah. I would really like to talk about that for a moment in the what didn't work, like talking about the female characters, yeah. I really. There's this, and it starts in the scene with her friend and the baby is a really big, I mean, it was re- like, it angered me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sh- the the woman says, yeah, going out with all of your Catherine adult o- friends. Catherine, Catherine, O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara says, Catherine yeah. O'Hara, yes. She says, 
I can't remember her character's name. That's why I don't remember her name. But Catherine O'Hara says, you know, talking to adults and going to work and having adult conversations and blah, blah, blah. The moment the baby comes out, you'll forget it all. Mm -hmm. It's all about it's it's all about the men's journey or something. She says, yeah, that is such bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is such bullshit. I hated that. I hated that. Well, it's it's the kind. It's again, it's very stereotypical of like. She has the baby. Now she's out in New York drinking drinking a whole glass of wine or a whole bottle of wine at one so sitting. It's the yeah. it's the oh, it's about the men's the man's career. Uh, yeah, and, and she's saying it not like she's happy. It's about the man's career. She's like, oh, I was once like you, thinking I had all I had all these projects, all these things I wanted to yeah. do. But when the baby comes, it's all about the man. And it's and that sadly was like a a viewpoint in this and that moment and t- around that time it's still a viewpoint it's still a viewpoint yes correct um but what i say with the miss tomei is that like we don't know what side of the fence she's on and not in like a complex way correct it's like it's that she goes from again like hey a guy said don't like don't care about the paper care about us and then she's like she's the one running up there to be at the paper to see everyone yeah. to have that career and then it's like, and then it's the thing at the dinner of like, hey, you have to choose between me or the paper. And then the first thing she says when she sees him in the hospitals, like, like you won today and holds up the newspaper of like what he yeah. what he did with the story. So it just feels very like, which one does she want? Does she want the, uh, I want the family and him to like take the, the, the uh, less hours, more pay job? Or do I want him and me to be like, Conquerors of tabloid journalism in New York City. Let me give you a hypothetical. Really? Oh. A guy breaks into the apartment. Oh, breaks into the He's got a gun. He holds it to my head. He says, either I blow your wife's brains out or I blow up the sun building. Choose now. What do you say? What do you think I say? What do you think? It's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. That is exactly my point, Henry. It is never one big dramatic choice. It is little, vague situations every single day, and you're either there or you're not. You keep waiting for the guy with the gun to show up, and it's going to be too late. I will be there. I promise. Henry, 9 o'clock, let's go. You know, I mean, after tonight, hon. I got... Martha, you would do the same thing. I saw you waddle off eight and a half months pregnant to chase the story. Henry, we're going to miss this guy. All right, wait. Hold hold on a minute. Come inside now. Come inside. Sit down with me and have dinner like you said you would. Hi. Come on. Don't take the bat out of my hand. It's the ninth inning. You know what this is like. I got to get the quote. The guy's not going to be there all night. I got to get it. I have to. So another thing that did not work for me was Mm -hmm. how... Uh, the people of color are not really a part of this story totally. Like they're just mentioned and they're like a huge, they're, they're on, the, on the peripheral. A, yeah. They're yeah. on the peripheral. Yeah. U- they're used as a plot as part of the plot, but they don't really have their own developed story. Um, and nor do they have any control of the story that's being told about them. And I think what's really interesting about the scene in the bathroom is I didn't hate the scene, but I think it's only the tip of the iceberg of Mm -hmm. what like the real issues were. Mm -hmm. And I think there was some subtlety where we started to uncover some things in that scene. And I feel like um, 
some of that was really good. Like yeah. I think some of the stuff that was brought up and the thing it leads to better things in the future. But I think in the moment, this scene doesn't work fully because it doesn't really fully explore the themes and the problems you know, with the police fraternity and the people of color, like being yeah. represented as like, they have to do something good or be good yeah. in order to like, you know, have value or to not, or to be innocent. Yeah, to be innocent. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's the thing. And it's, it's, uh, it's done where it's like, uh, as you said, it's very much, it's a plot moment. And so for the plot, it works, right? But it makes it to where, um, like the, I mean, it's like it, it, it deals with like the cops. Like, basically, the cop says, "Like, we know these two kids are innocent, and this arrest is phony, but we had to like, they had to do something, or, or we have to do something, and yeah. they arrested these two kids." Um, and it again, I think I, I, as I said before, it's like it kind of feels like. I mean, it, it's it's also odd. The guy who playing who playing the character is the main detective in the Central Park Five case, and I don't know like what if that was just oh he was a guy it's he was a guy that was like was 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 a detective and it just ended up being that he was this dude who was involved in a a, a massive an case, actual case case of of of, of injustice yeah. uh at, at the center of it um and but he's playing a different part where it's the he's saying it's injustice is the other thing right with this right. Guy. it's very odd um but yeah it's like but it, he says he says you're not getting me fired over this yeah. and i thought wow like what like he, he again doesn't, yeah, he doesn't want to be the cop that talks to the press that gets these two kids off right it's this subtle kind of thing which i appreciate that the film is trying to start conversations but i think it's just starting conversations and we didn't yeah, explore yeah. this fully and i had a big issue with that um and i also think it ties into alicia's line she says um taint the like public perspective today you know make them Make them heroes tomorrow. Make them heroes tomorrow or whatever. And I think it's kind of this same line of like, this is terrible. Like you can't do this to people. This isn't right. And this especially gets done to people of color over and over and over again in media and for real in real life. Yes. You know, and that's not okay. It's a step in the right direction. As I've said before, with some of the things in this film, Uh, it's not fully there. And it's usually it's because the people that are creating it, are seeing it as a plot device and not really seeing kind of the social context um, that of what is being said. And I think that's super ironic given this movie. Yeah. Because I think that's almost exactly what Henry is doing. You know what I mean? He he doesn't really care about these two kids either. He just wants the story to be right. He just wants to tell the story. That, you know, so I think it's really interesting. It kind of parallels real life of what's really happening you yeah, he's I mean? not he's not so. he's not doing it because of a race issue of some kind and because right. this constantly happens it's that hey we we need a good story. Let's right. show the exactly. other let's show the guys that we can do real real hard uh hardcore journalism, print right. the truth, right. uh not tell a false story. And so like it's as things you don't really know like is Henry what it is is that is it just that is it just that he doesn't like that he got beat and he wants to be everybody else today or is there some part where like he does want to tell the truth I, it's, it's right right it's i think he wants to tell the truth i don't think he wants to like 
hey, let's go into all the cases they've done these past few years and like have right. put these people, uh, these young uh, people of color behind bars or whatever. It's, right. just, it's just this exactly. moment. It's just this moment in time. What do you think I'm trying to do? Look, I got news for you. I'm locked up in the men's room with a cop because it's such a good time. Because frankly, I've had better times, okay? I'm here because I think the story's wrong. Is it? Is it? If you have something, give it to me now. But you know, don't stand there and act coy and say fuck you because quite frankly, it's a waste of all of our time. And you know what? I don't have any more time. I have no more fucking time. I need it fucking today. I need it right now. We just run what you guys give us and you gave us got you. I didn't give you that bullshit. Downtown gave you that shit. All downtown cares is that you guys in the LA Times and the Tokyo whatever all run nice fat front page stories about how we got the guys. Everybody can still come to New York with their money. Then a month from now, when the kids are cut loose because of lack of evidence, I mean, they were just walking by for Christ's sake. Turns out we don't even have a goddamn print on a murder weapon. And when that gets out, you guys, you'll bury it on page 23. Nobody will notice. Offset Universe cast, peop- so people who were rumored for the roles but didn't get it. Uh, Bernie White, apparently it was offered to Paul Newman and Paul Newman turned it down. Uh, and then it went to Robert Duvall. Um, I think Paul Newman would be nominated for an Oscar that, that same year. So I think he did okay. Uh, Henry Hackett, uh, a lot of names. I feel like as I come, when we come to looking at movies in the nineties and eighties, it's just kind of like who's big at the time. And let's throw that name around. (laughs) They were, they were discussed at some point in a casting session, I bet. Uh, so here are the names, uh, John Travolta, uh, Alec Baldwin, Kevin Costner, uh, Kurt Russell. Mm, I see that one. Robin Williams. Don't see that one. Uh, Mel Gibson. Bill Bill Paxton. I I, I could see Bill Paxton in that role. Uh, the last name, Bill Paxton's co-star in Apollo 13, Tom Hanks. Is the last rumored person. I probably could have seen Hanks. I mean, I see Tom Hanks. The thing is, it's the 90s. Everyone's throwing Hanks' name out there at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. He can do comedy. He can do drama. He's he's the all American like guy. He can um, do it all. But I, I think Keaton's probably the best the best choice honestly at all. I agree. Um, so film facts, not a lot. Again, there's not a not a lot of uh, information on the paper. <laughs> uh, as you said, uh, Keaton and, T- and Tomei with Layer Star and Spider Man Home coming together. A lot of the people in this movie would would have st- have starred had starred already or would later star in movies together again i think randy quaid and robert duvall were in days of thunder not really that hard though there are so many There's big so many big actors names. like it's impossible think, yeah. for them not to have connected like, before like, after. like marissa tomei and, and jason alexander were in like a seinfeld episode together or something oh fun it's like that uh as i said jason robards who plays the owner of the paper had won an oscar previously for a journalism movie and all the president's men where he pay, played ben bradley um, so it was this kind of journalism, uh, uh, I guess, royalty, movie royalty, mm, Jason Robards. Yeah. And then like, li- like many Ron Howard films, he cast his brother and his father, uh, his brother Clint Howard, his father Rance Howard, and co-starring or cameo roles within the film. Clint Howard plays one of the newspaper columnists uh, in the movie, one of the, the bigger ones, the bald-headed one with hair on the side. Ooh. And then his father, uh, Rance Howard, plays one of the, I think he plays one of the doctors for Glenn Close's character. Yes, because he says like, um, oh, okay. 
He's the one who says, like, uh, I need you to sign the paper or whatever. And she's like, not until I use that man's phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also slightly unrealistic. Well, at that point in time, 94, I could see that. Like, yeah, probably. The, probably. The, the, the phone, the phone. So that's what kind of cracked me up. It's that one. It's when Keaton is like, hey, Alicia, I can't hear. Are you going to the tunnel? Are you going to the tunnel? And starts doing the paper. And he yeah. hangs up. He goes, I love I like that. He goes, I love car phones. Because I yeah. can just like, I can just screw with people. <laughs> Um, story questions. I have a few. How many Cokes do you think Henry drinks a day? Over or <laughs> under <know>. 10? <laughs> Probably as many as me. I drink so many Coke Zeros. I'm an addict. It's a bad, bad thing. Look, yeah, I think um, I, 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 over or under. right next to me oh, right God, oh, now. Oh, gosh. Over, <laughs> over, do you think it's over or under 10 a day for him? I think it's, I think it's under 10. You think it's I under think 10? It's under. Yeah, I think it's close to like five to six because even oh, on no, my I think, worst I, I think days, it's over. I can't drink. I think it's I over. Are you serious? I think it's I'm over like for one him. of the worst addicts and I can't drink more than like five in a day. I mean, he says, I don't want to see pictures of like mangled bodies until after I have three Cokes in the morning. That Yeah. Dude, okay. Like, All right. With, he, by he, those numbers. Like he has a Coke before he leaves the house. He has a Coke when he arrives <laughs> at work. At work. He's got like, there's a yeah, whole, you're there's right. a there's whole gotta bit, be one at yeah. lunch. There, there's a whole bit of the assistant where she comes up with quarters and she's like, I took it or I took a collection. Never ask again. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I feel, I feel like, and maybe he doesn't do 10, but I think like from waking up to going to bed, I feel like that dude has like 10, at least 10 Cokes. I think it's all right. Over. All right. Maybe 10. I think it's like maybe one per I, think, I, I, think, I really think it's one per hour. Um, I have a story question that I wrote down. Yes. What the hell happened to Carmen? I feel like Carmen gets a, like ends up going to like a bigger newspaper at one point. I don't know. Does she? Maybe. Is it like May- a throwaway line? Because honestly, I literally was like, wait. It took me a minute. Like I was like halfway oh, through the credits. Oh, you mean like, in, like the, in the story? Yeah. Where did, I, I just no. mean like in general. Like I think Carmen has a bigger career ahead of oh, her. Oh no. <laughs> well, also, well maybe that's also a question. But like I was just wondering, like what happens to her in this story? Because yeah, I she lost disappears. Her. I feel like the last she time you see her is when he's like. What are you doing? You 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 went up there with your press badge or whatever? Like you can't do yeah. that. You uh, can't go in there with your press badge yeah. and then she just like disappears. Yeah, she disappears. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh does Randy Quaid, does uh McDougal get crazier um in the story? <laughs> Gets more paranoid in the story, I wondered. Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, I don't know, actually. I think he actually reasons out. I think he goes the opposite way. Okay. I think he starts off very like, paranoid. After the Sandusky stuff, he's probably like, I should probably chill out a little bit. Like, yeah. With, with like, my I stories. Think he's kinda, right. I think he's like, you know, and I think that you, the whole thing with Sandusky. Yeah, I have, I, have, really I, have, I, have a, I have a question for that, too. Yeah. What were the odds that Sandusky now, was sitting at the bar? Well, that now it's like, do, does Sandusky get jail time? Was my next question. <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, I would say probably he needs to. I would think also, so too. What happens to Bernie's daughter? Do they ever reconcile? Yeah, the Bernie daughter thing because like you have the bit where like it's that he goes and sees like where she lives, and it's the it's a sweet moment where he finds out that she reads the new york the new york sun like that's yeah. her that's her yeah. daily paper yeah. is her father it's her strange father's paper so it, i was gonna say if you ask me what didn't work well that's one of the things i didn't like is that i really liked bernie and then we found out that he was a total shit to his daughter and his w- wife well, and i was kind of like i really don't want to pity this dude and also i don't think she's wrong for cutting him out of her life I'm and I, she's okay wrong. Yeah. one thing i did actually really like though is that he doesn't push it 
She says, no. I don't want you around. And he respects it. He goes. I mean, no, because never mind. I take that back because he stalks her. That's weird. <laughs> like, you know? Well, like, I mean, but it, 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 it's, it's, I mean, I don't want to defend this with him, but like. <laughs> yeah, I, right. It's I, hard I, to well, defend. I, I am not a father. I do not know this. Right. But right. He, he is a character where he is trying to make amends. And I think. I think the paper, this like the paper thing, him saying that she reads the paper, is enough for him, right? Because right. he he's like, because he's like, I don't want you to hate me. At the end of the day, it's like I, it's like I want to know, I want you to know who your father is. I don't want you to hate me. It is a very selfish, right. selfish thing in some ways too. Um, but it's, he's contemplating his life because it's like he has prostate cancer. Prize what it is, right? Right. Um. Yeah. So. And he's, but it's very honest. She's, he goes, I saw your name in the newspaper and paper and I wanted to come and see you. And she's like, well, if you, if you didn't see my name, would you still have, would have wanted to come? And he doesn't have an yeah, answer. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't try to paint him as this, like, like it doesn't try to redeem him. You're yeah. Right. It's like, it's, right. it's, it's, it's like, it's not like the, I don't think the filmmaker saying, Hey, she's wrong for not. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're going right. Going after right. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I think that. And 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 thing is, we know he's a dick because he says it. One of my favorite lines in the movie. He's like, uh, he says the thing about the, the problem with getting older is that everyone sees you as a father figure, but you're like you're not a good father. Whatever he says, like I have him. No, that. he says. I wrote it down. He says everyone thinks you're a father figure, but you're the same asshole that yeah, you, you always, always were. were. Yes, that you always were. So he like he's just like yeah, it's like. I'm getting old, so everyone just thinks, "Oh, you're wise and fatherly." He's just like, "No, I'm like, I've been a dick my entire life." All right, moving on to awards, the Beatrice Strait Award, actor, actress, limited scenes that kills it. Who do you have? Uh, Randy Quaid. I, I, I think, don't really. I think he's is in, he too supporting. He's, yeah, he's he's in too many scenes. I think he's in too many scenes. Okay, well then, <laughs> I would say Jeffrey Owens. Jeffrey Owens. Oh yeah, yeah, for Lou. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, yeah, I would, I would say i like him in this movie there were actually a lot of people with limited scenes i also liked um the guy the chair guy the chair guy probably yeah, yeah phil. he was phil. really phil i like phil phil was funny i th- this is like the only thing i like know him from is this movie i mean i like jason robarts jason robarts anytime, anytime he shows up on screen i'm happy to see jason robarts um as graham the the owner of the, the paper Okay, let's go with Phil. I like Phil. Yeah, I think, I think Phil. I, I, I think, I think th- he is stealing the show. Like, literally, he comes in and his presence is, like, immediately something I was like, oh, this guy's back. Yeah, I love the <laughs> shot. I love the shot when you kind of first see him when he's, like, like prowling the newsroom and, and Keaton just goes, what's up with Phil? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, I think Phil. Yeah, I'll I think go with Phil, Phil for Jack, me. Jack, Jack Cahoy. He can have the desk. But give me the chair, for Christ's sakes. Bill, I was talking to somebody. I can hardly stand up straight, Henry. Okay, you know what? Go do that. That's a good idea. And uh, I'll handle Wilder. Don't worry about it. What are you guys going to do to Wilder? Nothing. We're not doing anything to Wilder. Come on. Oh, look, Henry, you don't know what it's like to live in pain. It does uh, things to you. I'm it sure. Cha- it oh, changes you. I'm sure it does. Well, I want to talk to you about those changes, okay? Rub some stuff. Annie Potts X Factor Award. Supporting actor, actress that is most memorable. Uh, it's a tie for me now because Randy Quaid was yeah. apparently yeah, supporting, which I do agree with you. I was just trying because I really like You were trying to him. give everybody an award. I got uh, you. Well, I wanted, no, here's the thing. I wanted Randy Quaid and Robert Duvall 
to both win an award. Yeah, those and are my so two. I was hoping that maybe you would allow you would allow Randy Quaid to pass as a limited scenes, but no. but if not, <laughs> then they can just <laughs> fine. We can do. Then we can they do, can just we'll do tie co- for yeah, the Annie we'll, Potts we'll X Factor. Co- we'll do co X Factor awards. Yeah, I had I had Duvall down and Quaid down um, for two things. Well, they, they they have just like they have the good speeches at the yeah, end of the do. day. Like yeah. Quaid has the good speech going close to the bar, the kind of like what journalism is. But we're not, you know, exactly the Washington Post, okay? No, no, we're not. We run stupid headlines because we think they're funny. Mm-hmm. We run maimings on the front page because we got good art. And I spend three weeks bitching about my car because it sells papers. But at least it's the truth. As far as I can remember, we never ever, ever knowingly got a story wrong until tonight. That's what Henry meant. Uh, with Bernie, a scene I like with Duvall with in there again uh, about speeches. I love, I love his speech to Glenn Close about Alicia. like Alicia when they were talking about when he was younger and was at some like the Pablo Picasso, the Pablo Picasso story. Yes, I think it's great. I loved that. The menu didn't have any prices, but we were on expense account, so we just figured, fuck it got drunk well somehow there ended up being i don't know 15 or 20 of us at the table and when the check came oh it was nine thousand dollars exactly so now we're all starting to point fingers we're 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 trying to remember who invited who we're talking about going to western union to get money cabled just when it was getting really embarrassing this funny looking old guy at the next table called the maitre d'eau Guy, like he do a couple of squiggly lines on a napkin, signed his name, winked at us, and that was that. The old guy was Pablo Picasso, and that napkin paid our bill. <laughs> I'm not sure I caught the segue here, Bernie. Well, the people we cover, we move in their world, but it is their world. You can't live like that, Alicia. You'll never keep up. Now, if you try to make this job about the money, you'll be nothing but miserable because we don't get the money. Never have, never will. Gene Hackman, MVP award, person who carries the movie, director, actor. Hen- uh, Henry, uh, Michael Keaton. I think Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, yeah. I, I really I really thought the movie wasn't poorly. I I actually really, I, for direct, maybe I'm completely off, but like I liked this Ron Howard's directing in this movie. Mm-hmm. I really did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he allowed scenes to play like we talked about earlier. I think he there was just a lot of um, yeah, but I definitely think Keaton totally carried the movie. Yeah, no, I think I mean, again, without Ke- a doubt, Keaton's kind of again manic manic uh, demeanor throughout the movie is really like pushing the movie forward, forward driving the enti- it. is driving yeah. it the entire time. Uh, with every scene he's in, it's this, it's this, just again ball of energy. I mean, like, like Quaid has the chaos, but with Keaton, it's just again, it's weird. We, we, I've talked about this with these, with these past three movies we covered with Sweet Smell Success, with Broadcast News, and this is that all the leads are kind of these like constantly on the move characters, which I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really say as a thing as a trope for this genre but they're always moving they're always focused on the on the job 
um it dominates them to a point where like it's they they can't stay still there's right, never a right. moment of stillness it's a, and a, a scene that kind of sums that up it's that when he's having to sit down with the family i know the sidewalk scene afterwards you don't like but when it's time to sit down with his parents and he's just like hearing noises and the, and the camera's going kind of all crazy because the first yeah. time he's really sat down and all i can think about is like i have to go do something right now i have to go back yeah, to the like, paper th- things are people are screaming around there's children screaming and what is happening yeah, yeah so he's constantly just like when he has that moment of stillness it's just like oh no something's wrong yeah, i have to get yeah. up and keep moving uh and so even when he's in scenes having a conversation he's doing the keaton thing where he's always in the move and always always in this yeah. in this uh frantic state marty listen this is so good i'm running this tonight you're supposed to be at dinner in five minutes well, i can't help it you're too good that's how good you are i can't it's your fault you actually got yourself into a jam here henry listen tomorrow is fine tomorrow no 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 no. today tomorrow today 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 tomorrow tomorrow today now today now today henry i'm on my way out at 8 25 and i just happen to notice that our presses aren't running which strikes me as rather odd since we are after all a newspaper gotta go okay see you later listen carmen just write up whatever it is you got i'll get to quote myself it's okay it's okay Hey, hey, Paul, look, look, looks like I'm going to owe you one here, okay? 90 more seconds, can you? Thank you very much. First of all, you look fabulous. Cut it out. What's going on? Well, I didn't get the artwork back from the purple hawk. Who'd you send? Robin. You sent Robin to cover the Williamsburg purple hawk? Robin happens to be a professional news photographer. Robin happens to be 14 years old. Oh, see, now you're just being silly. That was a cheap-ass trick, Henry. Look, I'm on to something with the Sedona thing here. I just need a quote from the cops. You don't have it. Uh, final questions. Uh, if this film was remade in the present day, who do you cast? This was a little bit difficult for me, and probably more so than the other movies, like Hook uh-huh. and everything that I've done. And I don't know why. Hook was fairly easy for me. Easy-ish, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, like, this was hard. Um, so I'll, I just did the, I did four. I did Alicia, Marty, Henry, and Bernie were the okay. four that I, I recast. Um, so I'll kind of work, I'll do the girls first and then, yeah. So Marty, I said Elizabeth Olsen. Okay. I like Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Yeah, because she's kind of like, Elizabeth Olsen is a total badass, but she also has a very, like, kind like soul and i feel like yeah. marty like at the end of the day is just like a really good person a very mm-hmm. driven very good person and i feel like i don't know if it's just because of like wandavision or how i see elizabeth olsen but like i feel like she's equal partners with the people that she's in relationship with and that's very much how i see marty and henry as being equal partners together yeah and i can i, so. can, I can i can see elizabeth olsen being a uh uh a journalist if that makes sense like yeah absolutely me too i don't want i don't want to uh, assume, assume or, or put looks with journalism journalists but i she has right. the quality where she would i could see her like again being on the move uh in a similar fashion yeah uh, as marissa Tomei in the movie yeah okay. i agree so olsen um olsen alicia um, I kind of went with the, someone who might be a little bit different but i think is a very underrated actress that mm-hmm. carla gugino yeah, I like Carl Gugino. Yeah, I think she's really awesome and super underrated. She's yeah. been in some serious stuff, like critically acclaimed, but like most people know her for like 
the Spy Kids movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, at least like people yeah, our yeah, age probably yeah, are like, yeah, yeah. oh, Spy Kids. Like that was your first, you know. Um, but she was also like in Watchmen. Yeah, she's in Watchmen and um, Spin City. Yeah, and she, she was also in Night at the Museum. Yeah, she yeah she's like the she ends up I don't know if she they end up getting married at one point in that or that she just ends up the, is the love interest. She's the love interest for, for Ben Stiller in yeah um, like she in Night at the Museum. She, she was in um I mean I know her early on from Son in Law that great Polly Shore movie uh, jokes but I do like Son in Law um but she and she's she was in uh. Like I think she popped up. She was in San Andreas as the Rock's ex-wife. Yeah, she was. Um, she for real was. Yeah, and then she <laughs> she did a she was well, the big thing that she was in of note of late was the Haunting of Hill House. She's in. Yeah, she uh, was in the Haunting of Hill phenomenal. House, which I don't watch horror movies, so that was not on my like. Well, she was definitely great. didn't know her. She but was yeah, great. I've heard that. I've yeah, heard she that. was great because she's been with that director Mike Flanagan. She did a. Gerald's game with him, another horror, a Stephen King or a horror film. She also did an episode or two of New Girl, and was awesome. <laughs> I I just love the dynamic of like she was in this movie, and this movie like New Girl. I'm like cool. Yeah, New Girl. I <laughs> love New Girl. Um, there are gonna be some listeners out there who are not as you know they're not as well versed as you and Thomas, and they're gonna be really excited that I just made a New Girl reference. There you go. Saying. Uh, but yeah, no, she was great. Uh, and she was really good in those two episodes, but I do think she's just, she's a really under, she's, I think she's underrated. I, and I, I agree. I, I agree. think she has this like toughness to her that Alicia, that I really liked about Glenn Coase's Close, portrayal of Alicia. She's like, she's just very tough and she doesn't like, yeah, yeah, she doesn't back down. And I think that Carla could really, she could do that. I agree. And she's an actress who weirdly consistently works all the time. But yeah. just yeah, it doesn't pop up fully in a in a big thing as as much. All right, what next? Who do you have? I'm gonna go with Henry first because quite honestly, I <laughs> yes, I have like five names of like I just don't know who could do this the same manic kind of like thing without coming across as angry. Because initially I was like maybe well, who, Adam who, who, Driver. Who else do you have left? You have Bernie left. Yeah. Can, can you give me Bernie real quick? I wrote Michael Keaton. <laughs> and i feel like it would be so great if michael keaton came back to play bernie i'm okay with that i know what i'll suggest is i would throw out jk simmons pops oh i like jk simmons yeah yeah yeah. like grumpy like yeah yeah, definitely jk simmons would be great but i I was just sitting there and i was like you know because what happened was i was like looking at actors who were the same age and i was like scrolling down i was like Michael Keaton. Yeah. Wait a second. You know what? Michael Keaton could play Bernie. He could. I mean, I, 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 mean, so I, I love Keaton range. in anything. So ca- I'll cast him in anything. Yeah, but I do. I like J.K. Simmons as well. I really okay. do like. I like J.K. Simmons. Okay, so Henry. Um, yeah, because I think like oh my Henry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had. I had. Okay, I have like f- five names and none of them are good. <laughs> Which is why I was gonna end on Bernie because I felt like <laughs> that was a good, better one. Get in on the main character. Fine, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. We'll end on the main character. I said Adam Driver, but I feel like he's very angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but the chaos, he he can do chaos very well. Um, then I was like, maybe Andrew Garfield. Or, and I actually think my, Andrew Garfield is probably my best one yeah, of these I, five. I, when you said Adam Driver, my first, I was like, Andrew Garfield could be interesting. It's not the same, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I like Andrew Garfield because I don't know if you remember in the social network, but he was fairly neurotic kind of in the social network. Yes. To a point where I feel like he has that energy. He has that undertone of just like always got to go, 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 go. Like I feel like he kind of has that and could play that well. Yeah. But he's a little bit more, he's less angry. He's a little bit more likable Uh than I like Adam Driver. Adam Driver's like great. But I mean likable, like warm. He's warmer. He's warmer than Adam Driver. Um, I also wrote down Miles Teller, uh, Emil Hirsch, and then the one that was like ridiculous, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hard pass on that one. So, so sadly, what? hard pass. No JTT. No JTT. I'm sorry on that. I, I mean, I'm I not literally. I was just going down a list of like 30 year old actors and I saw JTT and I was like, yeah, no, I'm, yes, I'm not. I mean, I, I haven't seen him in anything <laughs> since I'll be home for Christmas. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, saw I don't him, think I have either. I'm sorry. I don't think eight, I have it. eight simple rules. I saw him in eight simple rules. Oh yeah. Back I saw him in eight simple rules. Back in the day. He was in eight simple rules. Uh, I'll tell you the guy that popped up in my head when you're kind of listing all those though. Okay, but let's let's okay. land on Andrew Garfield because I'm not entirely insane. I just really have a hard li- time. With I Henry. like Andrew. Garfield. I like Andrew Garfield. I do. I do too. And but, I think genuinely that's the one I want to. But I, I'm, like, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, okay. That's your pitch. I'm gonna throw out this name because I'm just I'm thinking of the I don't live in the I don't live in the world. I live in New York City. Like I I don't know if Garfield can pull that scene off. Oh, he sure as hell could. You what think are you so? saying, you crazy person? The, per- yes. the person I think could, absolutely. Could, uh, the person I think that popped in my head, uh, Chris Evans. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's funny you should say that. No, 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 no. Okay, uh-huh. I'm blowing out my mic. Um, <laughs> because my, my reaction is blowing. Yeah. Um, I I actually had Chris Evans on a short list for a hot second, but I think he might be. T- I really did. I really did because I was like. Looking at all of them, and the Chris's were all up there, and like as like you know late. I think they're in their like late thirties, early forties. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Evans is thirty nine. Yeah. And Evans was on that list, and I was like, maybe Evans could do it, but I think he might be too old. No. Yes. I weirdly think this was a conversation Thomas and I once had on this show about Evans being too old. I'm not positive. Wait. I truly think he's too, like, I literally was like, okay, wait, a young, because I honestly, Uh huh, Sagan? Yeah, how how old was Keaton? I don't know. Keaton looks, I can't remember. Keaton looks like a solid 40. Okay, but here's the whole thing about Hollywood. He was was 43. No, he was, he was, he was. Because I remember looking this up and thinking, okay, Chris Evans could do it. No, no, no. You think I'm kidding and I'm just saying this because (laughs) to save face because you, but I'm really not. I I genuinely thought about Chris Evans. I believe you. But I hate it when they cast, like, male actors as, like, super way older. And Elizabeth Olsen is, like, 30. Okay. So she would, well, I guess it's only, like, nine years. Also, how old is, like, isn't Paul Bettany? Like, how old is he? Yeah, you, you want to talk about age difference? Never Come mind. On. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I Come resent on. Come on. everything I've said in the last, like, 20 seconds. But seriously, I did think about that. Because I was like, I. but how old is Andrew Garfield? Andrew Gar Andrew Garfield is thirty-seven. Damn. So my argument is <laughs> All your arguments are just not working. Damn. Okay, but I really does Chris okay, listeners. You can go with Andrew Garfield. That's fine. That's does, your pick. But, my pick is Chris Evans. But dude, don't you think Chris Evans plays older? I mean, the the dude looks like he's like 
35 all the time. I think he looks like he's, I don't know if he just carries himself. He doesn't look old. I am not going to say he doesn't doesn't look look old. old. No, he doesn't. He doesn't look old. I want to be very clear. He doesn't look old, but he carries himself with a sense of maturity. Yeah. I don't think that Michael Keaton has that sense of maturity. I, I, I think Evans Evans can be Evans can be funny. I think Evans I and mean, silly. If you look he can. at if you look You're at Chris, right, if right. you look at Chris Evans and like talk show stuff, Chris, You're Chris, right. Chris Evans. The, no, the man was in Fantastic Four. <laughs> like he can be silly. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he. he I mean, I, I feel like yeah, no, uh, yeah, Evans. For All me. right, fine. You can you, you can you can have your Andrew Garfield. This is not a debate. I'm just saying. It it. It feels to me, Brandon, <laughs> like every time I come on the show, I always throw another three name times. out. Yes, and it's always so good. <laughs> I and I'm like, why yeah. don't I think about this? But I do. I do think I talked myself out of Chris Evans this time. I'm gonna feel bad. There was no way that I could have pulled. Who did you pull out last time that like killed me? Uh, Chris O'Dowd for uh, yeah, Chris O'Dowd. Yes, yeah. yeah, that was great. That was excellent. Okay, yeah. well. Great job, Chris Evans. I did my best. Um, all right, next questions. Does this film fit with any other genres? Comedy, drama. Yeah, uh, some subgenres I would throw out there. We talked about this. Um, I'm bad at this question. <laughs> I love that. Comedy. It's it's the it's the it's, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I would say genres more kind of specific subgenres. 24 hour movie. Movies take place in a, in a 24 hour span. Um, yeah 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 i know, like that even though it kind of fits a little bit because i think the opening scene takes place at like 1 or 2 a.m uh yeah technically but, but still but, 24 but, hours but, but, but like it, it's, it's supposed it, that's the whole clock thing it's supposed to take place like a 24 hour period like a one day type thing um so it would fit into that that sub genre how does this film fit in the journalism genre in many many ways um i think that one of the things i heard you and thomas kind of talking about in early on in the first episode this month Uh was um ethical dilemma Mm -hmm. and deadlines and i Mm -hmm. think this movie definitely checks those off um the ethical dilemmas were stealing the lead printing a story knowing that it's wrong um you know both of those were pretty ethical questions yeah um, and then deadlines, I thought that this was um, definitely past that. And I also, part of what I struggled with actually with the movie was the whole thing of deadlines. Like deadlines create a natu- natural sense of urgency yes. and, a, and a natural drama to them, you know? Yeah. Um, and I felt like sometimes there was unnecessary drama because of the deadlines thing. Like the, the journalism, the sub, like the genre already uh-huh. kind of, you know, um, had that. And then one thing that I thought was really interesting is I think that the pregnancy is also its own deadline. I think it underscores kind of like this theme of like here, like, like eventually she's going to have this baby and the time is going to be, you're going to have to make a choice like between your family and the the paper. And it's kind of this like a natural deadline that kind of happens. And I think that underscores the journalism theme. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that goes into the whole 24 hour movie theme as well, because like it's the, a 24 hour movie usually has to throw every little thing of like every major decision this character has to make is going to happen today. Um, right. Right. And this is Which what's is happening. Just not- yeah. <laughs> it's not realistic, but it's trying to yeah. capture like a realism part of like this. Is, right. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, it's that you have that natural, that the natural deadline and the kind of the uh, constructed deadline of the paper. 
and then the invest investigative i think yeah. also lots of uh, lots of representation of investigating trying yeah. to get quotes trying to get the story um you know when um when marty is getting the scoop on the investors and finding out that they blew the five million dollars of the mob's money and all of that that yeah. was all investigative the harried wife trope that you guys talked about yes. i think that's definitely demonstrated very, here yeah very apparent yeah very very here so i think you know just it it, it truly is a journalism movie in every way shape and form they yeah. work for a paper like you know yeah, I agree. so uh yeah. Yeah, I agree with all that stuff. It definitely deals with the morality of kind of like the how far will you go and choosing and the, yep, absolutely. the the personal life, the the job taking over your personal life, uh, and then all the different kind of types of characters. And as I said earlier, the types of journalism where they're the tabloid journalism paper and they're going against the the big news like New York Times, yeah, Wall Street yeah. people, uh, Wall Street Journal. Um, and then you had the the comments that that uh, that Lou makes about the broadcast news stuff. So it's all it's all very much the world of of journalism. What it's like to work for a paper. Anything else? Anything else you want to say about the paper? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've talked about the paper more than many people have ever talked about the paper. Um, so that's all we have for this episode. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Nation Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you haven't already, make sure you write us a review on whatever platform you listen to the show on. Your reviews help with our visibility on these platforms, and we enjoy reading them as well. Uh, they help us improve the show, and just feel free to tell your friends, tell your family, tell your former high school best friend that loves movies, tell anybody you see. Um, we appreciate it. And if you haven't already, make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Amy, thank you for joining me again on this episode. You're so welcome. It was my pleasure. And talking about the paper. And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.